Mika. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Thank you for coming out. This is a very special Sabbath, a special weekend, the 80th anniversary for Wildwood. Um, Wildwood's been my home since the year 2000. And so uh, I've been serving, for those that may not know me, uh, I've been serving as vice president since 2012. Uh, before that, I served in the education department and other, other various departments on campus. And so this morning, I'm going to be leading a panel discussion. And so I'd like to invite our panelists, if you could come up and, and take a seat. We've got uh, Dr. Zeno Charles Marcel, Elder Dwayne Lemon. If you, if you gentlemen would like to come up, Joyce Grievous, Irene Bautista, and um, Lee Wellard, and Tapiwa Marawanika. Thank you, Joyce. Have a seat. Thank you so much for being willing to be a part of this. Welcome, brother. Thank you for being here, everyone. So, yeah, I think that we got enough places there. Right. One, two, three, four, five, or six. Yeah, we'll need one more here. Yeah, no, no. No, just slide down. Here we go. We got it right? Yeah, yeah great. Okay. So, with me here is a, an esteemed uh, panel of, of medical missionary evangelists. Uh, so right here is Tapiwa. So for those that don't know Tapiwa, he's our education director at Wildwood. God called him from his work in England some years ago to get involved in ministry work. He took the Peace uh, Bible uh, Evangelism School in England before coming to Wildwood, taking our course, and little by little he got involved as that's kind of the case at Wildwood, if you stick around very much, you just get more and more involved and more responsibilities get put to you. And so now he's our education director doing a fantastic job. We're really excited that Tapiwa is, is uh, representing. Uh, he's the only current staff member on the panel. So that's so for that perspective. Lee, was, Lee Wellard was a, a Wildwood staff a few years ago before launching out to start his own uh, ministry. And so Lee operates uh, the American Herb Shop and uh, does counseling and education and teaching and medical missionary work, especially he's a, he's a master herbalist and is very involved in missionary work, so we're glad Lee is with us. I'm just doing really brief, really brief introductions here. Dr. Zeno Charles Marcel has a, a long uh, history of, of work in the church, uh, medical institutions. He served at Wildwood even as, as vice president of our medical work for, for a few years before now becoming the uh, associate director of the health ministries department of the general conference. So we're so glad, glad that you could come join back with your family here at Wildwood, Dr. Zeno. And Dwayne, welcome to Wildwood. It's great to have you here. Dwayne is the director of uh, PTH, Preaching, Teaching, Healing Ministry. Uh, he is a, an evangelist, uh, a revivalist, a Bible teacher. Uh, he's, he travels teaching and, and preaching God's word. And he is a pastor in California and is a strong medical missionary. So we're really glad that Dwayne is with us. Irene, uh, God called her and her husband, Elaine, from Southern California, they lived in the Loma Linda area and called them from their professions to missionary work. They came to Wildwood uh, when I was director of the school a few years ago. And uh, they've, and Irene and her husband have established several ministries in Southeast Asia. She's done work in the Philippines, uh, uh, Indonesia especially, built up the work there. So she's got broad experience over a decade of international work using the health message to reach Muslims and, and different people groups throughout Southeast Asia. So thank you for being here, Irene. And Joyce, Joyce worked, we worked together for several years here. Joyce 
spent much of her life at Wildwood, and so before launching out to start a new uh, lifestyle center in the state of Missouri. So praise the Lord for uh, a pattern ministry is in Missouri. Her and her husband launched out uh, to start a brand new project, not in their, uh, you know, not in the beginnings of their experiences, but towards the end. That's, that's amazing that uh, they've, God has used them to establish a great work in Missouri, and they are great examples of, you know, sometimes it takes faith, even if you've been at an institute for a long time, to launch out, you know, and to kind of leave the, the comfort of the institute to start something new. It's a, it's a, I'm sure that was a, a, a faith experience. So thank you for being with us here, Joyce. So our theme for the 80th is building on the legacy. We spent some time thinking of what kind of theme we should have for this weekend. We decided on this building on the legacy. So I just thought I'd just throw up a, a softball here to the, to the group and just ask, you know, how many microphones do we have? Just so I can see here. One, two, three. Okay. So, uh, and then you can just share them around. So, let me just throw this out here. What does building, when you, when you found out that the theme was building on the legacy, what came to your mind and what, what does that mean to you? Maybe someone would like to share just, you know, this is just a general, just to kind of introduce, get the ball rolling a little bit here. Anyone have a thought on that, Joyce? Yeah, please. I've always loved history. And when I came into the church as an adult, I think I bought all of the books that we published at that time and started reading them. And so building on the legacy to me is building on the calling that God made to this church in the beginning that we're not just a denomination. We were given the job of a specific purpose to teach the three angels' message in the light of the end time. So everything kind of builds on that. Why are we here? Yes. Amen. So remembering our roots Moving forward, anyone else have a thought on building, building on the legacy? Irene? You know, when I was um, looking at building on a legacy, I remembered the third day of creation. The third day of creation, God created the grass on the field. And in order for the grass to grow, it needs to be a wide, not just two or three, because then it doesn't look healthy grass. And so to me, building a legacy is a communal effort that is also herb-bearing seed is what the third day is, which is productivity. And also, uh, he created the trees that bear fruit. So it is a tree that creates fruit so that it has seed for it to grow more fruits. So building on legacy is what God has created for something that goes beyond just the now, but also for the future, for yeah. it to grow and create more and more. Yeah, wow. Thanks, Thanks for those thoughts, Irene. Wonderful. Yeah, and, the, and the concept of building, it kind of signifies teamwork, right? When we build, we build together, right? So any other, Dr. Zeno? Yeah, just one little comment. Before I became a Seventh-day Adventist, I read a book called The Legacy, and it was about the health work and uh, the miraculous way that God had actually brought about uh, the institutions in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that blesses so many people around the world. Amen. And so building on that legacy is, uh, so that was the past, right? We're in the present, but we have a future. And we, we have to, we stand on the, on the shoulders of giants who have gone before and 
we have to do our part uh, in honor of God and to honor the work and the sacrifices that they have made. That's right. That's right. Excellent. Very good. So what is something that we can learn from the legacy of those that maybe just something that comes to mind, you know, it's really good to reflect on history and, and those that have gone before. What's just thinking of some of the past, you know, uh, uh, workers in, in this field, what is something we can learn from their legacy as we move forward? I think the first thing that strikes me is why they got involved in the first place. You know, yeah. I, I thought of W.D. Frizee, and he obviously caught a vision. And once he caught that vision, he did everything it took by God's grace to fulfill that vision. But the biggest lesson I learned, at least in their life, is, you know, Psalm 127 says, except the Lord build the house, they that build are building in vain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's one thing I, I learned, like taking hold of God's promise and God's vision and going with it. That's right. Yeah, very good. Any other just kind of think something that jumps in your mind when we think of learning from those from before? Yes. Joyce? Yeah. I've probably been around a little bit longer than the rest, so um, I can remember Roby's parents were members of our church there at First Church in Chattanooga, and that's where I came into the church, and they had a little bitty health food store down on Ringgold Road, and it was the first one, so it was small. You could put a few things in it, but they were so sweet and so kind, and I lived in Chattanooga. I was looking for some way to begin this new diet business, which I didn't understand too well. Mm. Mm. And they would just spend lots of time with me, but they were so faithful. And they would invite us to their home on the on Sabbath and would talk to us about this church. And so I think that what God calls each one of us to do is not to just witness, but to be a living witness. And that's what they were. And, and I think that when I think of, of God's legacy, I'm thinking of many people being and how God's called us to be like him. Hmm. And as we see people doing that, then it, it gives us a vision of what we can do, of what we can be. And, and we find ourselves in lots of different places that we never thought we were going to go. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Irene? We are so richly blessed here in America in knowing the history of medical missionary. But when I was in Indonesia, they had no idea hmm. what medical missionary was. So when a group of what they call now Chinese Ministry Center, wanting to reach out to the elite group of Indonesians, which are the Chinese sectors, they prayed and they asked the Lord for guidance and slowly, the Lord revealed to them the medical missionary work, which they had no idea it was a legacy that was already built in America. Mm. So even though somehow in other parts of the world, they didn't know the true medical missionary history, but yet the Lord opened up doors to new places that had no idea that we have this history in the first place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Dwayne. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I very much appreciate when I think about building on the legacy is when I teach the Bible, uh, especially to those who are not part of any religious organization, one of the things I like sharing that sold me on the Bible was how open and honest God is. He, he was not afraid to show us the successes 
of his patriarchs and prophets, but he also showed their failures. Yes. And in Romans 15, we're told that, you know, this is one of the reasons the scripture is given. It's given for our learning. We can look back at not just the successes, but the failures. And uh, sometimes when we look back at the legacy, I want, that's an opportunity for me to be honest with the past and say, okay, what was it that was successful? That's what I want to continue. What was it that was a failure? Okay, that's what I don't want to continue. And sometimes paying attention to both sides of the lens enables us to really go forward in faith and to do good work. It's not just observing all of what was done great, but also some of the mistakes that were made. That's right. And so that's something for me that when I look back at it, I, I not only look for the path and the pattern of great successes and victories, but I want to see, Lord, where, where did they fail in the past? And that's something that's supposed to be a warning to yeah. us who are in the present preparing sure. to create a glorious future. Yeah, wow. Thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's powerful. Dr. Zeno? I just wanted to, to add one little thing, and that is uh, the work was accomplished by the grace of God, but the self-sacrificing activity of many. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-sacrifice is probably not a very um, popular kind of term right. in today's society, but, right. but this is what it requires, yes. uh, that, yes. that we're willing to put ourselves uh, you know, behind yes. Yes. and do this for God. Right. And when we see the sacrifice of those before, it also can kind of help us through our times where we have our positions of sacrifice. And thanks for bringing that up, Dwayne, about you know, when you think of legacy or you look at history, you can breeze over and see all the high points. But then if we go through challenges, we could get discouraged. You know, it's kind of encouraging to say, oh, they had problems too, you know, and uh, God got them through it. And so it's, it's uh, where they failed, you know, we can learn from that experience, but we can also be encouraged that, hey, you know, uh, this, this is, um, it's not always easy, you know, and there's challenges in front of us. So uh, the legacy, yeah, and you think, look at the word legacy, you only think positive, you know. Well, that's what's left behind. We tr- we hopefully, we leave behind a good legacy. But we have to admit that we are flawed humans, and the legacy is, is flawed, but God works through fail, you know, flawed humanity to do things, you know. And so the biblical examples of, of flawed individuals, God's still working through and, and helping us find, you know, repentance where needed and so forth. Thank you, Zeno, for bringing up about sacrifice. That was actually another direction I wanted to go. We, we know the pioneers, usually in pioneer work, you have, there's sacrifice involved, uh, any any beginning work is going to require sacrifice. And so the pioneers built uh, the work in great sacrifice. So, well, what about today? Is the same sacrifice needed? Yeah, it's not a popular term. You know, there's a, why should we have to sacrifice? Can't we work for God and not sacrifice? So I, I just wanted to go that direction for for a moment here. You know, in, in what ways is the same sacrifice needed today? And is sacrifice needed to get the work forward? Well, if we look at Jesus and see what he sacrificed, then I think that gives us the motivation for whatever we're going through. Nothing that we have ever experienced has come close to giving up what we were and becoming something totally different in in the sense of Jesus was God in the form of God, had all the prerogatives of God, and before he turned it, before we were created, he had made the decision, I'm willing to give up all this 
out of love for who we're going to make and what they can become through it. And I think this has to be our motivation that we look at Jesus, we look at the cross, we see who our exemplar is, and we decide with each of the experiences, whether they're failures or successes, we, we let them instruct us in what the next step is going to be. And I've, I have a great appreciation for the fact that the Lord gave us the scriptures and he gave us the spirit of prophecy for a definitive instruction of this is how you can do this. And the more we believe it and just let self be gone, no, that can't happen, you can't do it that way, that, that'll never be the way of success. We, we will find that he just does these things and we don't quite know how he did it, but suddenly, you know, the car didn't hit us, it's up there somewhere. We find that God himself performs the miracles that make the work go forward. He just asks us to be faithful and believe what he's saying. The scriptures are true. Hmm. If we believe that, then our confidence in him grows with time. That's right. Very good. Yeah, to people. You know, it's interesting, this concept of sacrifice, because when I first became an Adventist, I thought I was sacrificing a lot in keeping the Sabbath. And then somewhere along the lines, I end up coming here doing this training. After six months, I honestly wanted to, to go home mm-hmm. because I thought, wait a minute, I already sacrificed so much to keep the Sabbath. I didn't know that further on there's more sacrifice to come along the way. <laughs> and, and so that was like a challenge. But a friend of mine told me that sacrifice is the currency of ministry, right? Mm. And uh, I found that interesting because... After I finished my course in Wilder, I went to India on a mission trip, and I was, I was having such a great time there that I asked the, the director here, like, can I just stay over in India because, you know, I'm busy over there. And, you know, it was Michelle at the time, and she told me, no, but look, we, we need you back here. You, you know, we, we're trying to build something bigger. You've got to look at the bigger picture. And I, I, I said, no, Michelle, I'd rather be here right now And then Jacob got on the phone with me, and Jacob told me, look, if you were to help train more people, more work could be accomplished than just you as one person. And and he told me, look, we have to sacrifice self in this work. And that kind of really got into my mindset. So Mm -hmm. sacrifice has to be foundational. As Joyce shared, Christ himself demonstrated that. Sacrifice is the foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Anyone else? Uh, Lee? We're told that we don't really sacrifice uh, because we haven't had anything inherent that's ours. So only Jesus has truly sacrificed. So, so what is, sac- is it perception? Is sacrifice merely this perception? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking when my brother was talking about ministry, I was thinking to myself, wait till you have children. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> it's not ended yet. <laughs> yes, uh, when Eve was told in birth she'll have sorrow, it, it wasn't just the labor pains, it was the rest of the life. But uh, when <laughs> But it's good that we know others have gone before us. And yes. uh, that's what it's about right. because, you know, that gives us courage to go forward. And um, 
you know, sacrifice can be very sweet, you know, when we allow ourselves to embrace it. Mm. Mm. Uh, it actually, those bitter waters become sweet. And it's often what I found is making the decision is the hardest part. But once you surrender that, Jesus just floods you with peace. Changes your, your attitude going into it, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, um, just, <laughs> amen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it doesn't stop, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, the idea that we, that we sacrifice is probably mainly before we get into what we're doing. After we get into what we're doing and we start seeing fruit, uh, it's that, that the bitter becomes sweet. Okay? Um, I remember just a little anecdote. Uh, in our, our first overseas missionary term, one Sabbath, actually we had, we had a, a terrible week. We had you know, lots of people in the hospital and a lot of sick people. And I was looking forward to the Sabbath and, and being able to, to spend some time with my family, with God, in the church. And no sooner we got to church, I got a call from the hospital that, you know, somebody is, is you know, really in a bad situation. So I, I leave the family and I go over there and uh, the intention was I was going to go and things would be okay and I'll get back to church. Well, uh, about five o'clock in the afternoon, or in the evening, was when I was able to be free, Okay. And I was heading back, not to church, but to home. To home. And this uh, intern in the hospital, he stopped me. And he said, Doctor, why, why are you here? Why, why? I mean, look at today. You, you, instead of being with your family and whatnot, you, you're spending time here in the hospital. And he says, and I know uh, if you were in the U.S., you could be making a lot of money. You, you could be doing all these things. And... And, and you're here. And I said, well, you know, look at what Jesus gave up for me, mm. for all of us. And he told me, uh, he changed later on, but he told me, he said, look, I would not do that, he said. If I got an opportunity tomorrow to go to the United States, I will go in a heartbeat. I drop everything that I'm doing. I'm going to the United States. And you came here. That's stupid. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to him. Doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Today, when we see the fruit of that, the students who uh, who learned, who learned to give of themselves, who are all over the world now serving. Mm. Mm. Was it worth right. it? It was more than worth yeah. it. Amen. More than yeah. worth it. Right. And, and at the end of, of all of this, uh, Ellen White says, our view is going to be, we did nothing. That's right. Okay. Amen. So what's the outcome of sacrifice? It's, it's peace, right? It's, it's blessings. So wonderful. Well, now let's shift to, comp let's compare this idea of building on the legacy with constructing new methods to reach a changing world, okay? So we're building on the legacy is kind of like learning from the past, but then we also have this concept of, well, 
reconstructing new methods to reach a changing world. And there's a lot of different ideas about this. So do we need to be willing to change? What does that look like evangelistically or in medical missionary work? Is it time to change methods to meet a changing world? By the way, I did not give these questions ahead of time. They, uh, <laughs> they jumped in my head this morning. I wrote them down. So <laughs> I, I think you had a plan. <laughs> but just a, a short statement. Principles don't change. Practices do. Okay. And we need to be able to distinguish between those two where we can ad adopt new practices and change uh, our, our practices midstream even, but always adhere to the godly principles Amen. that we right, have. Right, right. Very good statement. I think Joyce? a good example of that has to do with, well, my mindset is I like things to be one, two, three, A, B, C. They fall into line. That's just comfortable for me. Other people have a more global view. But I can remember the first trip we took to Cuba, and we had to go a roundabout way because you weren't permitted to go to Cuba in those days. And we were teaching the Bible workers how to do medical missionary work, doing hydrotherapy and cooking schools and so forth. And the government wouldn't let the whole wheat flour out for us to make whole grain breads because they sent around the white buns every day. And in my mind, you know, there's a certain way to do hydrotherapy, right, the way I learned it here. And you need a machine, and you need the proper kind of fomentations and all of that. And we couldn't take everything with us in the suitcase. But we had taught the hydrotherapy class, and there were two little boys um, who had the flu. And they didn't have COVID back then, but they had the flu. And so with my limited Spanish, which is extremely limited, uh, we were trying to teach the mothers how to do the hydrotherapy treatments and, and to tell them what to do to carry on. And in my mind, it has to be done a certain way or it's not going to succeed, right? And so we, one of the ladies did exactly what was supposed to, and her little boy was better the next day. I, you know, that was good. But the, the other lady, we went back to see in a couple hours, we had told her how to finish up with the treatment that it... We taught her how to do the wet sheet pack, which is you can do just about anywhere. Mm. And she still had that little boy wrapped up in half a sheet, still wet, uh, wrapped around its little body. And it has been like this for two hours. And I'm thinking, he's going to get pneumonia and, and die because, you know, I had all these visions. He was better the next day. And I thought, you know... God's not limited. If we don't do it just like we thought we had to do it, and the way our mind dictated, God still overrules. Amen. He has the view, and he's just wanting these willing hands to do what we can do, as imperfect as it is, our perfections in Jesus. Amen. And we need to get self out of the picture and let Jesus direct our love responses to this world. That really freed me a lot. That's just that one experience. I never thought again, there's only one way to clean the cat. 
that there are many ways that God can work with his people. And it's not for me to determine somebody else's job or even my own. He's going to direct as he sees right. the need yeah, arises. Very good. Thank you, Joyce. Dwayne. You know, we, we, um, <clears throat> we talk about uh, the, the, one of the things I caught from you was, can you use other methods, you know, new methods? And the answer is kind of a yes and no. It can become a play on words. So an example is, you know, we all know the quote, Ministry of Healing 143, Christ's method alone will give us success in reaching the people. So we have that method. That's the method. But in that method, which is principle-based, you can bring in a lot of practices that fits our modern time. Right. COVID was a really good example of this. As we know, lockdowns were all over the place. You could barely go anywhere. Most uh, traveling evangelists were frozen. There was no vaccine, e even if people believed in it or not. To, you, know, you, you had to stay where you were. Yeah. And uh, it was during that time that I got a phone call from a young lady. Uh, her name was Nefer. She says, I'm fairly new in Adventism, but uh, I, got, I come from a, an apologetic group background and, you know, when they found out I was Seventh-day Adventist, they basically were persecuting her and asking her lots of questions. And she said, would you be willing to join with me online and we can answer and address these questions? And I was like, sure. Along with that was a gentleman named Ivor Myers and then another brother named Lance Wilbur. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing these meetings every week. Our first session, you know, clarifying the assumptions of the non-Adventist world on Seventh-day Adventists, um, our Sunday Keeping Christians Lost. That was our first one. Mm -hmm. And that one alone had over 40,000 views. I mean, people were really looking, and that was, that was like night number two. And uh, from that, we ended up going weeks doing internet ministry. And, and, you know, for me at least, that was kind of a new thing. It was kind of like, well, I'm a, I'm a people person. I like to see you. I like to touch you. I like to shake your hand. And, and I believe in, in connecting. But now we were doing this through the internet. And from that, we had over 400 individuals within a span of six months, 400 individuals worldwide who made a decision that they want to join the Advent band Amen. and begin to become Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah. So from that, we're now doing, we're using the internet a whole lot more educating and ultimately training and pointing them to trainings like Light and other places as they mm -hmm. want to get involved with medical missionary work. So the internet is still fairly new you know, when you think about just the mm -hmm. past few years. Mm -hmm. So it's a new method, but it's built off of an original principle. That's right. So in like Very manner, good. there are many ways that we can still build on the legacy by using the new things that are out there today and maintaining the principle that God has set. Amen. Amen. Very good. I'll just add to that that when the pioneers, for example, did what they did, that was new for their time. Oh. Okay. I heard this story with Elder Finley where when he left to go and um, apprentice under Frizee, mm -hmm. they, t they called him crazy and said his work in ministry was done because what he was doing, no pastor does that kind of thing. But look where, where that's led him now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the principal aspect that was mentioned before is what's key there. Yeah. So we, we need to... If, if there's a new idea, right, we need to analyze it, pray, you know, does this have good founding principles? Um, is, it, is it just, I mean, I'm, there are many examples we could go on this of, of pioneers that had to adapt to their situation. We need to be adaptable. That's one of the main uh, characteristics of a good missionary. 
Um, but now, so let's, let's just turn this discussion now to the sanitarium work. Okay, so uh, we have been called as a people to, to be involved in this kind of work. It's very important. In fact, God calls for uh, sanitarium work to be established outside of every major city of the world. Okay. Have we achieved this goal? Well, we are, gr- we are grossly short of it, That's right? So, well, so then is it too late to uh, work towards that goal? Um, is it still time to start lifestyle centers? There's yes. maybe a concept, well, we should just start, it's too late in earth's history to start, you know, these big ministries. We just, just do small ones now. Okay, so uh, Dr. Zeno had a good presentation. Maybe a lot of you missed that, kind of discussing this. But what would God have us do now in regards to the, the sanitarium work, which obviously now we, we, we term differently? Um, so is this old-fashioned? Is this something, is it too late? You know, what do you think about sanitarium work today? It's never too late. We're told that uh, in one of the Spirit of Prophecy quotations that it may be too late to do some of the things that he called us to do, but it's not too late for us to be that compassionate hand reached out to help others, and that's basically what sanitarium work is about. The treatment of people in a way that will not ultimately harm them, and that has to then involve a teaching ministry. Mm-hmm. You have to be something I know that um, Medicare requires is this um, program where you have to document that you're teaching patients to do this and that. Well, we were doing that all the time. And as, as a people, that's our part. In order to get people to eat like they're supposed to, we have to educate them as to why they should be eating that way. And we show them all these beautiful presentations and whatnot. But the whole purpose is to reach that mind by which we make our decisions. Mm -hmm. Because we're going to choose one way or the other all the time. We're choosing. All day long, we're choosing. And our part is to help people to see the wonder of God and how his ways while they may be past finding out, they're not past our struggling to understand and trying to do a better job. So wherever you start, it's going to be a ministry. If you love Jesus, you're going to be reaching out for people, and only the Lord knows what he's going to do with it. That's not your business. Yeah, amen. Dwayne. You know, one of my interesting findings when I studied outpost work was there were several quotations and inspiration where it would speak in the context of an outpost, but it was really talking about our homes. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at outpost work, we don't always have to think large institution. Mm -hmm. There are times that your home, if you have a a home with land and you're able to be out there in the country as God has called us to do, you can have a small in-home sanitarium. Um, In all intents and purposes, when Jesus walked on this earth, he was not only a Seventh-day Adventist, he was a walking sanitarium, you know, and in like manner, um, we can do a lot of work for the master Mm -hmm. in very small situations. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to set up large institutes like a Wildwood, Yuchi, and many others, but we don't want to limit it to that either. A gentleman who now sleeps in the grave, but who was very inspirational to me, Bob Jorgensen, you know, he, he made a wonderful point that he said, God, is, God may not necessarily be calling us to resurrect the Madison structure, but he is calling us to resurrect the Madison spirit. And that Madison spirit can come into our homes and 
we can find sanitarium work spreading far and wide institution-wise. I don't think the institutions are going to go away, but we don't want to limit it to that. Mm -hmm. If we really catch the vision, we can start having these type of mini sanitariums even at our own homes. Last point Mm -hmm. on this, Mm -hmm. uh, when my bride and I, when we got our country retreat in Georgia, we had one home with land. We had another family that lived 15 minutes from us and they had some land, and then we had another family that lived 10 minutes, and they had some land. And we decided that one home was going to be the school sector, the other home was going to be where you could do the farming and industry, the other home was where you could do the health work. And it was just simply us collaborating and fulfilling, you know, Philippians 2 and that oneness of mind, and we were able to do a great work for the honor and glory of God that by all intents and purposes was outpost work. So most definitely Mm -hmm. uh, we can make adjustments adjustments, et cetera, but definitely the sanitarium work continues. No question about it. Sure. There's different levels of doing it, right? But so we can do it in our homes, a small level. Praise the Lord. We can do it in people's homes. We can visit their home and work with them. But, you know, should, you know when's the last time a big institution was, uh, a big lifestyle center was established? You know, Eden Valley, what did they just celebrate? Their... Um, 60th, okay, Yuchi Pines also 50, Wildwood 80, Heartland maybe 40 or so. So is that, is that we just stick with these now? Or <laughs> I don't know. Should we raise money for big buildings if Jesus is coming soon? That's, I don't know, what, what do you think? Okay, work as the Lord opens, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Zeno. Uh, the General Conference has uh, recaptured the idea of a sanitarium outside of every large city. Okay? Amen. Amen. Um, and we're working in that direction. Yes. Okay. Uh, knowing full well that this is going to require lots of resources and things like that, and the most important resource is, of course, the Holy Spirit guiding us, right? But he has promised that he will do, right? He will do this. The second most important resource is people, okay? People who are willing. And, and the idea of total member involvement, every, every member being a medical missionary, every member, right? Uh, when someone comes into the fold of, uh, of this message and this ministry, right? Uh, we're called to fish, all right? We're not called to study fishing, you know? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're called to actually be, be doers of the words, not just hearers not of just the words. Not just hearers, that's right. right. Amen. So we, we yeah, we, we need to get, everybody needs to get involved, all right? Uh, and the idea of, church being an event, okay, you know, you, you come on Sabbath and it's an event, uh, you go to church and then you go back home. That's, that's of the devil. <laughs> that's not what, what Christianity was supposed to be like. That's certainly what Adventism mm. is supposed to be like. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, want to, I don't want to go on more <laughs> on this line, but I, I do want to say that the fire is rekindled we're going to be seeing more and more uh, of, this, of this work, and we're going to be seeing more and more of the alternative ways of being able to reach people 
through the sanitarium concept, right. even if we right. don't have the even if we don't have a big building. Yeah, right? Diff on different levels. On like different in your levels. presentation, you had the, the home or the, the bed and breakfast, health right. retreat, or, or more hotel, hotel style. Or the, and or the ship, or the boat, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It can get larger as the Lord opens the way, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Dwayne? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, one thing I was going to say, too, is that probably the, the greatest trepidation when it comes to uh, getting large institutions started is money. You know, because right. it takes money to get it started. It takes money to keep it going. Um, you know, we have lots and lots of promises that especially, you know, we know there's a, I don't want to use that term, but nevertheless, there, there's a, there's a, we have an inner circle within our church and, and, and sometimes we filter funds and circulate funds through that inner circle and outside of that inner circle, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's hard to get money mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to get these things. But what are we doing? We're often looking for money from Adventists. So it's SDAs right. looking for money from SDAs. We're told that if we are more intentional of doing the work to those who are non-SDAs, that there are tons and tons and tons of resources that they have. So it's kind of like, man, if we were really even more intentional about being about our father's visit business, you know, and reaching the non Adventists, you know, we would see right. that, wow, maybe there's a whole boatload of resources that would make it very easy to get other large institutes started yeah. and maintained. Yeah. That's right. And so there's a lot to think about when we think of the innovative ways that we can go forward and doing God's work, even from the institutionalized standpoint, mm -hmm. let alone from home and bed and breakfast and, and many of the other ways. Yeah. So, no, I don't think that the institutions are dead and that God is saying it's over, um, but maybe we have to revisit some of the way we're doing things. So again, when we talk about legacy, let's not just look at successes. Let's look at failures. Let's look at stumbling yes. blocks. Let's see how can yeah. we overcome them and how God can take us to a new path. That's right, right. We need to keep growing and learning, right? An example of, of that, uh, a, mu a Muslim man got uh, help from Seventh-day Adventists in medical missionary work. Okay. This man happened to be very rich. And he had a passion for doing something like this in a Muslim country. And he put up all of the funds for people to do this. Okay? But it was difficult to find workers. And this was just before the pandemic hit, and the right. whole thing went south. Okay. Hopefully, it will be revived, yeah. uh, if that's God's will. But what Dwayne is saying is absolutely correct. The, the, the resources that the world has, Ellen White says, they are amassing it, right, for God's work. Yep. God is giving Amen. them that so that, uh, yeah. so that it'll be used to further his, his work on this work. That's right. Amen. Yeah, Tapiwa? Oh, sorry, Irene, did you want to? Um, well, definitely in Indonesia, lifestyle sanitarium is a place where the Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists feel like they're not threatened. So it okay. is a neutral, yeah. safe ground. But of course, you know, we reach out to their hearts. But what I saw, for example, um, we have a weekend health camp that's about two, three hundred people, wow. about two to three times a year okay. that we do. But there is a difference in the way we approach such a huge number of people versus the small sanitarium that we have, which we only have a maximum of four. 
people at a time. Okay. So that personalized touch, I think, is still the most effective way of right. reaching to the hearts of That's the people. Right. Yeah, that gets down to the principle, right? The, yeah. the one great object is the conversion of souls, and so that has to be. Uh, so the the program should be designed around that for that individual uh, time to, to people. Yeah, I just wanted to share a quick testimony actually on this aspect of resources coming from outside. When we're in India, we're working with a, with a guy called Joshua Shubash, and we wanted to do a health expo. And of course, we don't have a venue, we don't own anything, but he came up with the plan where we went to, it was the city of Bangalore, we went to the most prestigious like shopping centers that were there, and we asked to speak to the managers. And we tell them that we, we want to do something for the community, and basically, what can you contribute for that event? And they started laying out the money, just like you know, each place was making a contribution, and that's how we got the funds to, to do the thing. We ended up doing the health expo at a Hindu temple. Like, the, the temple opened its gates, gave us the temple court, and literally the worshipers were coming to the expo, and we were doing all the things we needed to do, and all the resources came from the non-Adventists. We didn't contribute a single thing except... Uh, so it is true right. what, what all, Sister White tells us. That's right. So human resources, right? that's, uh, you know, more than the money. You know, God, God owns all the money, and there's the money, I, I, just from my limited experience, I haven't seen money be really the biggest object. It's usually getting the people, getting the team, um, getting the commitment, willing to sacrifice. So... You know, we need revival in the church, obviously, on casting this vision. And, you know, many Adventist young people are entering uh, school for medical or health work. Uh, but yet a good portion of them are working at worldly hospitals and clinics. Um, so how can we do better to engage our youth, the new generation coming up, to, to be involved in gospel medical missionary work? And what, what does that look like? How, how can we do that? We're going to have to remarry what has been divorced. Um, the reality is, is that a terrible divorce has taken place, and it was not ordained of God. God hates divorce, and he hated this divorce. And that was when the, the health work got dumbed down to nuggets. And, you know, hint, hint, I hope y'all caught that. Yeah, it's like, you know, nowadays, sometimes in a church, the best thing you'll hear about health is a nugget, a nugget's worth of, of health. And, yes. and that's all you get. And And... People don't see the marriage between health reform and the third angel. They don't, they don't see that, oh, this is, this is a part of the gospel. This, this was never to be this little separate thing over there that we can consider or not consider, and it has absolutely no bearing on our walk with God. So there's a terrible amount of re-education that must be done with the revival work. Um, you know, it's interesting. The quote that we often read a revival is the greatest and most urgent of all of our needs. To seek this should be our first work, right? Do you know that that's not what the quote says? The quote says, a revival of true godliness is the greatest and most urgent need. And this should be our first work. Do you know Councils on Health 528 says, Christ gave a perfect representation of true godliness by combining the work of a physician and a minister. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a revival of true godliness is needed. Christ gave us a perfect demonstration of true godliness by combining the work of a physician and a minister. So again, this revival work, 
very much means bringing the people back to health reform, bringing them back to the third angel and showing how they were married never to be divorced. Mm -hmm. And so as we encourage the young people to embrace the message and embrace the work, then they'll be able to look at it with different eyes. And this is being done by many gospel workers. And we are seeing a lot of young people who are making decisions Mm -hmm. to say, I need to get trained in medical missionary work. I need to understand it better. And they are making decisions, those who are health practitioners. So it's working and it's going forward. We just need to do more. That's right. Absolutely. Anyone else on that that question? Go ahead, Lee. Share from your heart here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I was thinking that in the time of Kellogg, you had 50% of the church membership engaged in medical mission work. Wow. When Kellogg separated from the church, there was a split, complete split of yeah. the church. And uh, I, I believe God wants to heal that wound. And uh, he, he wants, we're told, every member of the church to be engaged in medical mission work. And right. of course, that doesn't mean everyone's going to be a physician or a doctor, but everyone is going to be, have some element of training they're going to have some knowledge, whether it be in nutrition or, or mm-hmm, gi- mm-hmm. giving advice on cooking or, or maybe hydrotherapy and so on. And, you know, I've never heard this shared in the evangelistic series, but that, that stone that comes down and hits that image, Ellen White actually relates that to the medical mission work. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this, yeah. this is what is going to topple Babylon, right? Okay. Is when all God's people are combined together with one mission, right, in one spirit. And, and Ellen White says, because man has put restraints on their brethren, a hundred times more work would have been done if that restraint was lifted, right? So in other words, <clears throat> there is an element of control that... Um, we have in, by nature, by yeah. the fallen nature, we like to control God's work. That's right. right? Well, God wants us to have the hands off the ark. And he's going to move in ways that we don't, even, we don't even know, we don't even expect. But he's going to take control of the work. It doesn't mean it's not going to be organized. It's going to be organized. It's going to be like uh, well, if God takes control, an it, army. It should be, yeah. yeah, it's going to be <laughs> completely organized. But what God wants to, to for the for the people of God to do is see, you know, uh, you know, uh, when we get someone inspired and start something, it inspires others to start something, mm-hmm. right? right? So there's got to be some visual demonstration, right? Now, not everyone can start an institute. Maybe one in a thousand medical missionaries have the experience and and what it takes to start a big institute. But there's got to be a lot of other avenues whereby God's work, medical mission work, can flourish. And so I believe we're seeing this now, actually. I believe there's, there's yes. a lot more people, yes. just laity, that have been inspired to do something by God. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just something we, we need to do is just be in a position where uh, we, we don't try to control that. Or, mm-hmm. or, or suppress that, mm-hmm. but rather encourage and foster that. That's right. It's growing, yeah. Zeno. Yeah. It might be good news to most to hear that um, this, uh, this healing, uh, yes. this, this remarriage, okay, uh, is occurring, and 
and they're in places that you may not have uh, imagined it would be possible. And uh, let me give you a few examples. Um, after years of uh, petitioning and praying and, and trying to work things out, finally, a few years ago, we were able to accomplish having a course in uh, comprehensive health ministry for the seminary. Praise the Lord. No, what I a don't, great idea. I, I, wonder, I wonder if you guys <laughs> heard what I just said. Right? <laughs> at, the, at Andrew Seminary. Yes. Okay? Every spring and every fall, okay, there is a course that everyone in the seminary, in the master's program, has, they have to take this course. Okay? Hallelujah. All right. Hey. We, also, we also have a summer class that's open to the community, but many of the Andrews students in the seminary take this course on natural remedies. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, in, in Chile, in the university down there, yeah. they, they start a program yeah. for the pastors. Yes. Okay. In Australia, there's a program for pastors. Amen. Okay? Uh, we, would, we would hope that every religion department in the yes. Seventh-day Adventist Church would do this. Amen. And uh, a personal vision of mine that I'm praying about is, you know, in, in, in academies and uh, in the elementary schools and in the colleges, we have certain courses that you must take. Mm-hmm. I believe that we should all be teaching a, maybe a little course that will grow, but a little course in, in health coaching. This is something that everybody can do. Even kids can do it, right? Just, a, just enough that they, that they get the, the impetus to, to see how the, the wonderful thing it is to share with people and to help people. That they learn that helping is healthy for yes. them too. Right? Yes. And, and I think that that's something that if we had the will, and by God's grace, can be included in the curriculum of all of our schools. That's right, yeah, because yeah. it's not just training pastors is a great part of it, and yes, so we're, our prayers will be with you on that endeavor, but then it's the, it's the 99.9% of the church, the laity, that we need to cast the vision to them and get the education to them as well and the inspiration. Uh, Dwayne, did you, did you have... No, sorry, all right, you're fine. You grabbed the mic, so I thought maybe... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tabiwa, go ahead. No, you know, your original question you were asking with regards to the young people doing all this training, but yet they're going in these other places. I still consider myself in that young people category. Okay. Praise uh, the Lord, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Dwayne says me too, so yeah. yeah. (laughs) But, But what I wanted to say is Dr. Zeno touched on this, I think in your first response in one of the questions, we said church was never supposed to be just a, you come to a service and that's it. And I truly believe we talk about Christ's threefold ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing, or we've overemphasized the preaching aspect. Personally, I think that as, as a young person. And I think something that could help as well is those of us with responsibilities within the church could make the church more also of a teaching place. Because the saints need to be Mm -hmm. taught and the church Mm -hmm. should be able, especially for the young people, to engage the whole person, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, and spiritually. We tend to aim at the spiritual focus, 
but also if, if they're getting more mental engagement from the world than they do in the church, the church should challenge us in every aspect, the whole person. And I think we, we will continue to see a rise if we did it that way. We, we kept that threefold ministry alive. Amen. May I give just one last yeah, sure. comment? Um, I'm just going to read this. Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers, page 415. And uh, this fits beautifully to our day and what God wants, right? It says, to my ministering brethren, I would say, prosecute this work with tact and ability. Set to work the young men and the young women in our churches. Combine the medical missionary work with the proclamation of the third angel's message. Make regular organized effort to lift the churches out of the dead level into which they have fallen and have remained for years. Send into the churches workers who will set the principles of health reform in their connection with the third angel's message before every family and individual. Encourage all to take a part in work for their fellow men and see if the breath of life will not quickly return to these churches. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, that's a revival work right there. Yeah. That, I mean, there's so much packed and, in that. And that's what we need. Right? That's what we Absolutely. Need. So, um, we have a few minutes left, about five minutes or so. I want to just, just dig into this a little bit more. Throughout the history and scripture and the Christian church, the times when mission schools were opening were times of revival. The times when mission schools were closing were times of spiritual decline. We can look at the schools of the prophets as examples of that. Also, the, school, the evangelistic schools of Paul, how those helped uh, bring revival and expansion to the work. Uh, so mission schools are very important to the health of God's church and, and preparing a generation right, to finish the work. Well, from my experience, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we saw an uptick of mission schools. Mission schools were starting, opening across the U.S. There was, there was GYC was a movement that was bringing some energy to it. Uh, yet in recent years, it seems that it's, our attendance in our mission schools has trended downward. And several mission schools have even closed the past seven years or so. So what is happening with this? <laughs> How can we revive? You know, we can't let this happen. We're, we have a responsibility, right? We, need to, we can't just let the masses of our youth drift into uh, a life of conventionality. What can we do to bring revival and train an army of young people to finish the work? I think part of that has to do with our trusting the young people to be able to do things. Amen. Um, you know, as you get, begin to get a little white-haired and, and you've been in the work a while, um, there can be a tendency to be conventional and to just settle on your lees. But the, if, if, we, if we will bring our young people into our decision-making processes, mm -hmm. we can't just say the young people are the church of tomorrow. They're not. The church of, they're the church of today because we need that energy. Um, as you get a little bit older, you realize you don't have the energy that you did have. And you're not able to accomplish, not that you ever did on your own anyway, but you don't reach out. And I think our biggest job is within our church, and every one of us can do that, is to choose to believe that the Bible means what it says. That every promise in this book is for us. Yes. 
and let that energize us so that when, our, when we're conversing with people, we're not just talking on everyday topics anymore. We're talking about something that's salvational. That, and if we really believe it, we're, we're going to talk it. You talk about what you believe in. You're not talking about anything else. And I think that it, that is our job as a people is to ask the Lord to help us to choose to believe that this book means what it says and that it means for us to be missionaries. Our young people will catch that vision if they see us believing it. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Joyce. Yeah, Dwayne? Yeah, I got a lot. I mean, I'm not going to say a lot, but I got a lot to say on it. But um, I, I, I am... You've got some time later. You can, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I am thoroughly acquainted with our young generation. Um, right now at our church, we have 40, over 40, young adults on fire to study Bible prophecy Amen. and learn the yeah. present truth, everything. Wonderful. That's in and California? All, the, the, this is in California, yeah. yeah. All between the ages of 20 and 42. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the hardest groups to reach. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I've learned is this. There's a statement that is used in uh, common vernacular amongst young people, and it's called keep it real. You know, you, you got to be willing to keep it real with them. Mm -hmm. they, they don't like it when you lie to them. They don't like it when you sugarcoat. They want you to tell, tell me like it is. Yes. Tell me what, you know, tell me what's up. Yeah. So in talking with our young generation, uh, they want to know, you know, they want to talk about things that to some people, they don't want to talk about it. And uh, it can be agitating. So the reality is, is that in my study of the Bible, present truth always addresses present issues. It's like present truth mm -hmm. does not ignore present issues. So we know in early writing 63, the prophet says, you know, that the sanctuary uh, combined with the three angels, etc. this is present truth. But a gospel that's not practical is a worthless gospel. So what we got to do is learn how to take the principles of the 2300 days to the, the principles of the three angels. And how do you make it practical that it can be manifested in a marriage? in a relationship, in how you conduct yourself as a student in school, how you relate to your fellow man, etc. That's the way the gospel has to be preached. And, and that includes the end time gospel message. Mm -hmm. So I believe if we can learn how to meet the young brothers and sisters where they're at and, and patiently work with them uh, and entertain even the tough discussions and guide through that and bring everything back to the word of God as stated, you'll win them. I mean, I'm not, I am not talking theory. I am talking 100% experience. You will win them of many different classes, as we call it, races, and the, less, and the rest. They'll be one, but they need to, you mentioned something earlier in your point, sister, when you said uh, we need to trust them. They need to know they can trust us. That's right. They need to know, can I open my heart to you, and you're not just going to, like, throw me under the bus. You're not going to cut me down. Yeah. If I tell you some of the most horrific abominations that I'm practicing, can you still love me after I tell you that? And they want to see that. And when you show them that, and when they tell you some of the worst things that they're doing, and you're like, okay, so where do we go from here? Yeah. I mean, they, they're floored by that. I just had a very young person share this with me last week as we're doing baptismal class. It, that's all they want is, can I trust you with what's going on in my heart? Mm -hmm. And are you going to treat me like somebody that Jesus loves and really wants to be saved? Uh, yeah, so we can reach right. these young people. It's not an issue. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just yeah. we're probably going to have to be willing to change more than we want them to change. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's I, the issue. Yeah, wonderful. Tapiwa? Now, it's interesting because, Brother Lemon, earlier on you spoke about this issue of legacy and we just focus on the successes right. and we don't touch the failures. Well, even the saints, unfortunately, that's something we do. We just concentrate on, like, the so-called successes and we're not vulnerable enough to the young people. When, when, I, when I came into the church, I was having some serious relationship issues, and the pastor I had at the time set me down and opened up on his life, and that made a whole world of difference for me. Because I was like, wow, a pastor went through this? And, and even his wife came in and she shared as well. And, and for me, that's probably one of the reasons I actually stayed in the church and my relationship with Christ grew, because I could relate to them. Amen. Yeah, um, I, I cannot uh, allow the opportunity to pass without talking about the effect of the media. Okay, media, uh, as as a tool, it is an excellent tool for evangelism, but it also is a destructive tool in the wrong hands, right? And. Uh, the youngest of the young, okay, as they're moving up, have been enthralled with the media. This is, this is part of their, of their thing. The problem is the social media actually is not designed to be healthy. It's not designed to be healthy for, for children, for adults, for anybody. It's not designed to be that. As a matter of fact, even those who design it and who design the algorithms, they don't know the devastating effects that it will have. All they're looking at is how can I keep somebody in front of the screen, okay? Because they are monetizing our view. The longer you stay on, the more likely you will get an ad, and the ad means the more likely you'll be able to to, to pay. So uh, we are going to embark, we're embarking on an issue with regard to media. Uh, Dwayne Esmond, any of you who know him or know of him uh, at the White Estate, uh, is uh, spearheading an initiative. But it's <laughs> the, the, the way we combat the effect of the media is actually going back to basics of family worship, of being able to have a church environment in which the, the young people are, are, are not part of the church. They are the church. They, they, it's, it's, you don't invite... Uh, the birthday person to their own birthday party. They, they, they're part of the party, right? They, they're part of... They're That's, us. They're <laughs> okay. socializing in person. Yes. Yeah. They're us. And, uh, and we, we have to, to tame that, yeah. uh, that tiger called media. Yeah. And Amen. we have to provide alternatives that the young people and the older people and everybody can actually be attracted to and, uh, and get, you know, spiritual and uh, heavenly advantage from, as opposed to just entertainment. That's right. Amen. I was inspired. At, I was at the Mid-America ASI, and uh, there was a group of young people that had formed a ministry to just connect young people, to, to keep each other focused and uh, supported and have that, those bonds. It's really, really important. So... Well, we have a, a big challenge in front of us in working with youth and healing the, the right arm of the gospel with the gospel work. And um, 
helping to finish the work of God in this earth. So I'm sorry we, we didn't include uh, every, the, the, the audience in this discussion. The, the, the questions that we just discussed briefly are discussion points for the rest of the Sabbath. We can talk through the Sabbath hours. Our time, unfortunately, is out already. So we're going to have a short prayer, make a few announcements, and then we'll, we'll uh, take a, a short break. Okay? But thank you so much for, for participating in this. I was blessed by it. Uh, I hope we all were, and so let's uh, pray together. Let's bow our heads. Our Father, Lord, we want to give thanks to you for your faithfulness to us and that you are going to accomplish a great work in these last days. Please give us faith, Lord, because we could get overwhelmed by thinking of all the challenges, but help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to be... um, yeah, grounded in, in, in principle and, and p- being prayerful as we move forward, seeing how to apply these principles and these methods to, to today. Help us to find ways to, to reach, uh, of course, people that do not know you, but we need our, our youth as well to be uh, um, encouraged, supported, and um, uh, given good counsel and so forth. We need we need an army to, to be sharing the love of Jesus around the world, and, and we need examples of that. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us to be willing to sacrifice. Help us to, to just lay all on the altar and to be a point of, only by your grace, uh, an inspiration to, to, to others. Uh, thank you for the blessings this morning. Please bless the rest of the Sabbath hours. We thank you for uh, helping through 80 years at Wildwood, through many challenges and many failures. And we have fumbled along, and, and you have lifted us up time and time again and brought people here and, and just... Um, it, it's clear, when we look back, we see that you have done a great work here. Yeah. It's all we can see. And so we thank you, Lord. Please... Uh, Thank you for the privilege to, to, to promise that you would use humble instruments as us. We can't do, we, help us to realize we can't do anything without you. So please fill us with your Holy Spirit and please bless the rest of these Sabbath hours, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.